started this series that we're actually putting uh, all this material together. It's going to actually be a workbook that we're going to put together and do as a curriculum. And we're going to do this every year in, in our small groups. And so uh, people that aren't here now, that, you know, those people you invite Easter Sunday and they get saved, well, next spring, they can go through this foundations curriculum just like we're doing now and get the foundation of what it means to be a Christian, how, how to, how to, what expectations to have and how to live out their lives as Christians. And so we're excited about that. And we've been talking about a lot of things. Today, we're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about prayer. So prayer. What is prayer? Who do we pray to? What's the purpose of prayer, right? Prayer. Everybody's got an opinion on what prayer looks like is everybody's knowledgeable about prayer. Most people don't pray, but they know all about it. <laughs> we all know about prayer. But you know, you ask somebody, do you pray? You're like, well, not like I should, right? Or you ask, hey, do you pray? Yes, I pray. I pray over my food. <laughs> I pray at bedtime with my kids. And that's it. That's, it's, it's limited. You know, it's just, it's, it's very ritualistic or it's very religious. But prayer, prayer, prayer is a fundamental part of being a Christian. In simplest terms, it's communication, right? Um, 1987, I, I joined the Air Force and I landed at, uh, well, after basic training, I ended at Keesler Air Force Base. And my, my uh, job description was to fix radios and radar. So it was a comm nav specialist. And um, I learned, I went to school, learned how to fix radios. And then I got assigned at Keesler to a unit called the 7th Axe, um, 7th Airborne Command and Control Center was the actual uh, unit name. C-130s, some of you know Reggie knows all about it. You know, C-130s with uh, what we called a capsule. It was a, it was a big box that barely fit in the back of the C-130. And we would upload that capsule. And inside that capsule, a big box inside of the C-130, was a literal wall of radios, and then it was covered by a whiteboard, and then there was a bunch of seats where the radio operators sat, and they had their, their radios on. And they would, they would fly missions around the world, uh, wartime missions, um, where they were the comms uh, units in the air. So uh, I was assigned to this unit. I fixed the radios when they broke. I fixed the radar. I fixed the navigational devices while they were, when they were breaking to keep them on mission, right? And so I got to travel around the world. Uh, ended up in the first Gulf War in, in the heat of Saudi, the desert of Saudi Arabia. And our guys would take off. We kept a plane in the air 24-7. And our guys would fly low level, like 10,000 to 15,000 feet, low level uh, air support. Uh, with comms. And so if you've ever heard of AWACS, AWACS do the 30,000, 25,000 feet uh, way up there, but our planes would fly low level. And so the guys on the ground that were the Army, Marines, and, and Special Forces and so forth, they were on the ground. They had their tanks. They had their infantry. And they were, they were going in uh, to the desert. They had their foxholes. They were going in. When they would identify an enemy location, they would radio our planes, and then our planes would radio Typically, the, uh, the A-10s or the F-4s and sometimes F-16s, but the, uh, the air support that would bring in artillery strikes and decimate the enemy where they were. And so our, our, our guys were in the middle, right? They were like Ma Bell, some of you old folks know what I'm talking about. They were the switchboard, you know. You got it, okay, air support, bam. And it had to be quick, it had to be effective, it had to work because the guys on the ground were depending on it. 
It was part of the part of the strategy. It was part of the makeup. It's part of the makeup even today of the military and how the military operates. It's part of warfare. Communication is a huge part of everything we do in life. Interestingly, you know, I was in the Air Force for four years and got to do that. Uh, what a great experience. And here today, I just thought of this actually last night. Here today, I get to sit with broken families and coach them on how to communicate with one another. So I'm still in the communication fixing business. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I did literally thought of that last night. But communication is not just a military thing, right? It's important in all of life. Communication, how we communicate with one another. In the family, it is, it's, it's the make you or break you. If, if there's anything that is paramount, in any intimate relationship, any marriage or strong friendship or siblings, if there's anything that you must get right if you want to be successful, it is communication. We have to know how to talk to one another. Wouldn't it make sense that in our walk with God, in our relationship with God, that communication would be a big deal? It's a big deal, and we, we know about prayer. We've heard about prayer but we don't utilize prayer. We go silent on the prayer front. We, we, don't, we don't squawk heaven. <laughs> we don't hit the, the key and say, hey, God, it's Mike. Just checking in with you. Everything good? What can, what can I learn from you today? We, we don't reach out. We don't, we don't, unless we're desperate, right? Unless we're really in trouble. Something's going on. Maybe, maybe, it's, a, maybe it's a sickness or a child that's sick or a loved one, you know, you know, then we're like, okay, I'm going to pray today. I'm going to pray. And, and we don't know how to pray. We're not, we're not real good at prayer because we don't exercise it. We don't do it often. So, you know, it's like me, me going and laying under a bench press right now with 300 pounds and then trying to bench it. Y'all be pulling it off of me, right? It's just because it's not something I do often enough. And, and it's the same with prayer. We don't, we don't pray very often, and so we don't know how to pray. Yet prayer Communication with God, communion with God, built on communication with God. Prayer is an essential in our relationship with God. It's essential to our success in Christ. Many people don't realize that, that God does want to hear our voice. He loves you. You're His child, according to the Bible. Children of God, when you're saved, when you're born again. And he's a good father, and he wants to hear your voice. And yet we, we hold back our voice from him. Many people don't realize that God wants to speak to us. He, he wants to guide us. He wants to lead us. And we're going to talk about how that takes place today. But, but we don't realize it, and so we don't utilize it. And so we go through this Christian walk almost with deaf ears in silence not experiencing all that God has for us. And we need, we need to learn how to pray. We need to pray. So I heard this story about a kid uh, grew up in a, in a Christian home, and um, he was getting older. He was probably about 10 years old. and um, Well, he wanted a bike for Christmas. He wanted a certain bike. He had seen it on TV. He had looked it up on the Internet. He, he, he knew what he wanted. He wanted a certain bike, but he didn't believe his parents were going to get it for him. Matter of fact, he, he had asked his mom, and his mom was like, well, I don't know if we can do that. And, he, and she said, just pray about it. And so he's like, okay. And so he, he watched a lot of TV. He watched a lot of Christian TV, you know, in their home. And so he knew how certain preachers on TV prayed. And so he went, uh, and he got in his room, and he, he, uh, 
he began to pray, and he, he began to pray, and he said, Our Father who art in heaven, would you please hear my prayer? And he prayed this really strong, wordy prayer. Would you hear my prayer? God, I would love a bike. Would you give me a bike? Oh, Father God in heaven, Father God, would you give me a bike? And amen. In Jesus' name, amen. And he prayed this very prestigious, upright prayer. And the next day, he got up expecting a bike, and there was no bike there. So he knew he had watched some of the other channels on TV, the TV preachers. And so the next day, he, he, he said, okay, God, I'm going to pray differently. Maybe this will get me a bike. And he prayed, and he started praying in tongues. And he started shouting, and he started praying, and God, in Jesus' name, that a bike would come to me. I pray that bike would manifest in my very presence. And he prayed that charismatic prayer, and he went to bed that night believing that God was going to give him his heart's desire. And the next morning he got up and there was no bike. So desperate for a bike, he said, one more time, I'm going to pray. And he went into the living room and he reached up on the mantel and he grabbed the little statue of Mary that his mother had on the mantel. And he went in his room and he knelt down and he put the statue under his arm. And he says, God, if you ever want to see her again, you better give me a bike. Gotcha. There's a lot of different ideas on how to pray. And you've probably seen a lot, heard them all. What is prayer? What is prayer? Well, uh, a, good, a good global definition of prayer, prayer and meditation, they're kind of sometimes lumped together, are universal words that many religions and spiritualists use to communicate with the spirit realm, the unseen world, or the God, or the object of worship. So it's not exclusive to Christianity. Prayer is something that's used in a lot of different religions, both on the, on the uh, which, I don't know how to say it, on the good side and the bad side. <laughs> a lot of different religions, to a lot of different gods, even to the demonic and the dark side. How's that? Uh, the Lexham Bible Dictionary, dialing it in more towards Christianity, uh, says that prayer is communication with God, right? We said that earlier, addressing God directly. Uh, it may include... Petition, entreaty, supplication, thanksgiving, praise, hymns, and lament. So a variety, there's more, but that's a good overview of variety of types of elements that would be involved in that uh, that communication with God. And so we pray to our God, right? Who, Who do we pray to? We pray differently than other religions who pray to different gods. We pray to the God of heaven. Um... If you're, going, if you're going to separate ourselves, Christians, from other religions, there are two questions that help us to separate, you know, who we pray to, right? Number one, you got to ask who, who has the power, right? And, and, and this will make sense in a moment. Who has the power, but also who's getting the glory or the credit or the praise in, in the prayer? And that'll help to answer in, in an example of that in the many different types of religions. Um, the power is actually in the prayer and the prayer gets the praise and the glory. They're praying to their God, and their God is there to serve them. Their God is there to, to maybe have favor on them, but it's for the benefit of the prayer. Um, as a matter of fact, karma, if you look it up, karma says that the universe knows what I need. And so I'm going to pray to the universe that it gives me what I need. In most cases, many religions, many spiritualists, are praying to the creation, but we pray to the creator. 
many times spiritualists pray to the creation, but we pray to the creator of the creation. God in Exodus chapter 20 gives us, lays out the Ten Commandments. And one of those commandments is that you shall not have any graven image. You shall not worship any other God. He lays it out there. It's a Ten Commandment. He's telling the nation of Israel, which essentially is passed on to the church, don't worship any other God but me. And he calls it idolatry. When we worship anything except the Creator, it's idolatry. Any, so any part of creation that we would be tempted to worship is called idolatry. And, and we sometimes are naive. Sometimes we don't, we don't realize that some of the things we're worshiping uh, or not worshiping. Some of the things that we are giving allegiance to uh, could be in the form of idolatry. It's idolatrous, and it's putting more weight on creation than the Creator. But God says we are to worship, we're to pray to Him and Him alone. So, who are we to pray to? As Christians, we pray to the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, we have an advantage Jesus walked this earth, and <clears throat> before he died on the cross and was resurrected and ascended to heaven, he told his disciples, I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you a helper. It's the Holy Spirit. He said, he's going to guide you in all things. He's going to help you to remember the things that I taught you. He's going to help you remember how to do this Christian life. He's going to walk with you. He's going to be your coach. He's going to be your friend. He's going to be your attorney. He's going to be your representative. He's going to help you. He's going to help you. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Now all of us can come to the Father. All of us. Come on, somebody say, that's me. All of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit. Right? Jesus said, I'm going to send him. To, he's going to help you. Through the same Holy Spirit. You could also say through the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Jesus' death on a cross it rent the veil that separated the people of God from God. There was a veil that separated. It was a wall that separated us. The, the, the way it used to be done before Jesus was that the priest would go in for all the people and he would do this special little ceremony in there with God to make amends for the sins of the people. And he would get out of there to hopefully still be alive, right? But the people didn't have access to God. Jesus came. He died on a cross. He paid the price for our sin. You've seen the illustration where sin separates us from God. Jesus' death, his blood that he shed on Calvary, it removes the sin, allows us to have right relationship with God. So now we have access to God. We don't have to go through a priest. We have direct access to God. And so here it, it, in Ephesians, it tells us we can come to the Father. Scripture tells us to come boldly to the very throne of God. As sons and daughters, we have access to the Father. The veil has been rent into. The separator has been dispelled. We have access to God. We individually, personally, how else can I say it, have access to God. You don't have to ask somebody to go to God for you. No, not many do it, but every now and then somebody will say, Pastor, could you, could you go to God for me? You know, like, no, you go to God. I'll coach you up, but you go to God because we have access. And so we pray to God. We pray the God of the Bible. We communicate with our God. So what's the purpose of prayer? Why, why do we pray? Uh, the purpose of prayer is for believers to, again, express their faith, 
right? The Bible tells us that the just, the ones that are justified, we, us, live by faith. We live by faith. We don't see God, but we know He's real and we have allegiance to God. We have faith in God. And so it's a way for us to express our faith. It's a way for us to express our gratitude for what Christ did on the cross. It's a way for us to share our needs with God, to seek His guidance, to seek His blessing for our lives, to seek God and show Him how dependent we are, that we need Him. It's a way for us to draw near to God. Scripture tells us to draw near to God and He will draw near to you. That's Speaking of proximity, God wants you to know that He invites you close. He wants us to be close to Him. It's a, it's a fellowship, a relationship. Um, the pastors get on to me sometimes, the other pastors. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know if I, I tap into my feminine side more than them or not, but um, it, some of y'all got your attention right there. Um, but... Uh, but I use the word intimate a lot. I do. I just, it's, I don't know why. It's just, I, when I think of intimate, I think of it in a manly way, <laughs> if that's possible. Uh, and they're like, Mike, you got to quit saying intimate. You can't, you can't say it. Just say closeness. Can you just do that, Mike? Men are uncomfortable with the word intimate. And it's true. I find that most men are. So I'm not going to use the word intimate today. Um, because of men. Now, now, ladies, you know, when you say God wants to be intimate with you, right? You're thinking, oh, you know, come close to God, you know, hold me, Father, you know. And uh, men, you're like, oh, don't touch me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we can get close, but not too, too close, right? That's creepy, right? So, but at the end of the day, God wants to be close with his people. Closer than we usually give him credit for it, closer than we realize. We kind of stand arm's length from God in many cases, most people. And some people are a, lot, a lot further than that. And God's saying, no, come here, come here, come here. Come close. I, I want to talk to you. Um, uh, we, we've been babysitting my granddaughters this week, and uh, a couple of times, Briah, see, here's my feminine side. This is what I was talking about. Briah, uh, one of the twins, uh, just crawled up on my lap, crawled up on my lap. I was sitting in the chair, and she crawled up on my lap. And we were just talking. And just out of the blue, she just started, I'll go to this side. She started just picking on my beard and, and just kind of rubbing my face. I tell you, it's special. It's special. And it's those kind of moments. That I, just, I, I feel like God's saying, I want, okay, man, maybe he doesn't want to stroke your beard. But you get my point. He wants to be close. He wants that relationship that's, that's close. And he's calling us into that. And that's why we pray. That's the purpose of prayer is to foster that type of closeness. It's a dependence on him that's expressed. It's not just... Well, y'all, y'all know the story of the couple that... They got married, and, you know, she sat right there next to him in the truck and had his arm around her. And, and then over the years, you know, after 10, 15, 20, 30 years passed, you know, they're driving down the road one day, and she's over by the window. And, and she said, we're not as close as we used to be. And she said, remember whenever we used to sit next to each other in the truck, and it was just, oh, you know, and we just don't do that anymore. And, and the husband looked over and said, well, I didn't move. <laughs> Do 
I don't know why I told you all that. <laughs> There's a reason somewhere in there. God desires closeness. That's why we pray. Time spent with God practicing, exercising our faith. That's why we pray. So what does prayer accomplish? What does prayer accomplish? Um, for us to answer that question, we have to ask three more questions, and I think you're going to get this. Uh, but prayer does work, but how does it work? What does it accomplish? What does it change? What does it change? And the first question we would ask is, does prayer change God's heart? And I'm going to use God's heart and God's will kind of interchangeably, although they are different. But God's heart, God's will, does prayer, does prayer change God's heart? Does it change God's will? Does prayer change? I would say another question is, do we think God needs his heart changed? God is good. God is holy. God is just. God is perfect, right? What needs to change about that? Sometimes we don't think that through. We think, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the heart of God. I was thinking of an illustration. And I was thinking about, you know, like hurricanes. When hurricanes are headed towards the coast, you know, we're here on the coast of Mississippi. I don't know, have you ever, you ever prayed that God would turn the hurricane and it wouldn't hit us? What's well, such a trick question, isn't it? Lord, would you turn the hurricane so it doesn't hit us? I think I've prayed that before. I don't know, maybe I caught myself, but. And then I just imagine my, my humor in my head, you know, I'm just imagining the folks over in Louisiana are saying, no, 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 <laughs> Lord, no, priest, don't let it come to us. Make it go back to that landmass between Alabama and Louisiana. <laughs> and then the people in Alabama pray, no, 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 let it go to Florida, whatever. You know, I mean, do we really think, do we really think we can change the heart of God, the will of God? I, I think trusting God, trusting the very nature, the heart, the will of God, trusting that is the first step in being able to trust God completely. I mean, to trust His heart, to trust His will is, is a huge step of faith. To realize that, you know, okay, I'm, I'm going to pray, but my, I'm not going to pray to change you, God. Because you're perfect. And sometimes that's tough because it's possible that the outcome of our circumstance is not what we want it to be but it's trusting God prayer doesn't change God's heart because God's heart doesn't need to be changed number two second question we would ask then does prayer change my circumstances the simple answer is sometimes yes and many times no does prayer change my circumstances now we know that the the Bible does direct us to pray one example of that is in Philippians chapter 4. It says in verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so here, the Bible's telling us, yes, you should pray. That's one of many examples, but we should pray. We should be in communion, communication with God. But if we're not careful we, we read things like that and then we read things and and I, it just depends on your depends on your church background and kind of what you fed on what's fed you concerning this topic but if we're not careful 
our prayer that we're praying, we're making supplication, we're, we're praying about everything, we're, we're, we're praying, but if we're not careful, it can just be transactional instead of that relationship prayer, that relationship that God's looking for. Instead of our prayer fostering a relationship, it can be transactional, like, okay, if I do, then you will. We see in the Bible, in the Old Testament, a guy named Jacob um, did, this, did the exact same thing. He, he was headed out, uh, and he, he came to this place. He was sleeping at night, and he called out to God. And he said, God, if you'll bless me, well, then I'll serve you, right? And I don't know that any of us would straight up do that. Like, so, okay, if you'll bless me, I'll serve you, although people do. How many, how many of you, don't raise your hand. <laughs> there, there are probably people in here that that was how you got saved, you know? God, if you'll do this, then I'll serve you, and that's how you got saved, you know. He, he got you. Um, but, but it's transactional. And n- nobody in any relationship really wants to be used, right? And God doesn't want to be used. And so we have to be careful that our, that our prayers aren't just, and we have to be careful not to teach our children that our prayers are simply transactional, you know. You know, when, when, when our children are wanting something, like the little boy with the bicycle, but, but wanting something, and maybe it's legit, but, you know, to say, okay, well, go pray and see if God gives it to you. And it's kind of like, that, that just puts them in a strange place. Instead of it being, I love you, God, and you love me, it's more of a, if you will, then I will. And we don't want to be that. That's transactional. Many other religions, many other religions that serve other gods use transactional prayers it's not healthy. Even in James chapter 4, verse 3, it says, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions, to, spend, to, to get it for you. It's all about me. Instead of it being a relational prayer, a prayer with a thankful attitude, a prayer that expresses our trust and commitment to God. Something like this. Jesus, Jesus knew he was on a mission he raised up these disciples. He, he equipped them as much as they needed to be equipped. And it was time for him to go to the cross. It was time for him to pay the price for our sins, right? For the sins of all mankind. And we see Jesus. He took a couple of disciples. He said, hey, come with me. They went up to uh, the Mount of Olives. And uh, he, he, he prayed, it says. He prayed. And he prayed that God would change his circumstance. But let's look at how he did this. Luke 22, verse 41. He withdrew uh, from the disciples about a stone's throw away, and he knelt down and he prayed, saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. That's Jesus asking God if there's any other way that I can die for the sins of, of them. If there's any other way, if you're willing. But we see how Jesus finished this prayer up. In a relational way, he says, first of all, I would mention, he said, Father, which he said many times. It speaks of relationship. Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's a good, that's a good way to finish a prayer. That's a good way to pray to God, to say, God, you know, let's, let's just use an example. Let's say physical healing. And the Bible tells us to, to pray for the sick and, and, and have faith, right? Uh, to have faith that we can be healed. And, and I know people. There are people sitting in this room right now. You can stand up and say, God healed me, legitimate healed me, and I'm still healed today, 10, 20 years later. Their circumstance was changed, right? Uh, but just say physical healing. Someone gets sick. 
in your family, your, your spouse or your child or your parent, you, and, you're, and you're praying and you say, God, we're praying for healing. We're believing by faith that you can heal them. And we're asking you by the power of the Holy Spirit to heal them. We are to do that. that that's, that's healthy. But to be able to say, be able to say, because I don't know the bigger picture, all I see is what I want. God, but not my will, but yours be done. There may be something way beyond what we see, what we don't understand that God's doing or God's orchestrating in a sense. And sometimes we can be pretty selfish. I want this. A physical healing, that's a, that's a biggie. We should, we, we should. And we believe that is God's will, right? We believe it is God's will to heal. Even, even we know this, that those that aren't healed in this life will be healed in the next, right? So it is Jesus died on a cross, took stripes on his back for that healing. We want it right now. And we don't understand. Sometimes we get mad at God because he doesn't do it right now. Some of you, this is your story. You're mad because mama got, you know, sick and died and, and you prayed and God didn't answer your prayer. And I get it. And I, and I get it. I'm a selfish guy too. I get it. I know what that feels like. But Mama, if she was a believer, got her, got her healing in the presence of Jesus. We didn't get what we wanted. And you can see how, how careful we have to be that we're, we're not just transactional with God. Even demanding that God heal. I mean, I don't do that. That's risky. That's, that's scary. That's, that's missing. That's... That's being like all the other religions that would expect their God to do for them. Where does the power lie? The power lies in His hands, not in mine, not in my prayer. The only reason my prayer has any power at all is the power of the Holy Spirit, right? That's bringing about the result of my prayers, the faith. But it all comes from God. He is where the power comes from. So does that make sense, the, 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 the transactional versus relational? Our prayers should be in the context of our relationship with God. So if prayer doesn't change God and His heart and His will, and sometimes it changes my circumstance, but many times it doesn't, the third question we would need to ask is, does prayer change anything? If not, what's the point of praying, right? We know this. Prayer changes me. Prayer changes me. It aligns my will or my heart with God's will, with His heart. It is one of the main ways that we reinforce our dependence on God. God, I need you. And I'm expressing that. I'm communicating that. God already knows what you need but that doesn't negate the need for us to say it because we need to be aligned with him with his will we say it we pray it we communicate with God as an affirmation C.S. Lewis said I pray because I can't help myself I pray because I'm helpless I pray because the need flows out of me all the time waking and sleeping 
It doesn't change God, it changes me. We believe in prayer. We're instructed as believers to pray. Sometimes prayer changes our circumstance, and sometimes it doesn't. We've seen God move in supernatural ways, but we've also known times where God is deathly silent in our prayers. We can conclude this. One thing we know about prayer is that it changes us, and we need to be changed. Ultimately, every prayer is answered. Uh, It's either a yes from God, a no from God, or a not now from God. And when you understand that, when you realize that, okay, I'm going into this as a relationship, a dependent relationship on the Creator that has invited me in, imagine that. He didn't have to do that, but He did. And I'm in this relationship, and so I'm going to pray. And God may say yes, but He may say no because He knows best. And then he may say, not now, not now. God loves us. He understands us greater than we understand ourselves. And he's able to lead us and guide us as a good father, a mature father. And some of you fathers in here, if you've raised kids, you know there's times when you told your kids yes, and times when you told your kids no, and there's times when you said not now, not now. We as believers just have to accept it and try to understand it, that that's how God responds to us. Jesus taught us how to pray. We're going to wrap up with this. Jesus Jesus taught us how to pray. His disciples uh, came to him one day and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. John teaches his disciples how to pray. Would you teach us how to pray? And From that, we get the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I'm just going to go through it real quick, and, and just to, to give you an idea of a, what a, a model prayer looks like. Let me, let me qualify this by saying, he didn't say pray only like this, but it gives us some rails to run on. It gives us some idea uh, of how to pray. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 says, Jesus said, pray then like this, our Father in heaven. He starts off relationship, Father in heaven, right? Our Father. It's not like, oh God, who could kill me now? <laughs> but our Father in heaven, a relational term. We are to approach God in the context of our relationship. Hallowed be your name, or holy is your name. God is holy, and we're not, and we need Him. And when we approach Him with that, approach Him with that posture that He is holy and we're not, we need Him. His holiness imbibes, or it comes onto us. His his, uh, the righteousness of Christ comes upon us. It's because of Christ that we can even go to God. When we realize that, it's a reverence of His holiness. Holy is your name. Verse 10 says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We mentioned earlier that proximity or relationship or spending time with God, drawing near to God allows us to, to, to know God's heart and to align our heart with His heart. We, when we pray, not my will, but yours be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're, we're saying, God, I don't want just what I want. I'm not coming to you as a selfish little boy or a little girl that's saying, gimme, gimme, my name's Jimmy. Sorry, Jim's, Jim. Um, we're saying, God, no, I want your will to be done. Moms and dads, 
we need teaching you children how to pray. This is, this is a great example. To say, Father, I, I'm praying for this situation. The scripture says, wow, right there, the scripture says, and when you quote that scripture, or you read it out loud, you can go to the Bible and find it. You teach them that we're praying the will of God. And the Word of God is the will of God, right? The last two weeks we've talked about the Word of God is the will of God. And so when we pray the Scriptures, we're praying the will of God. God, we know, this is a great prayer for your kids over the next few weeks with Easter coming up and, and encouraging them to invite even their friends. But we know the Word of God. We know your Word, Father, says that it is, it is not your will that any should perish. And so we're inviting people, and we're asking Holy Spirit that you would go before us, and, and by your, the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would draw them as we invite them to church to hear the gospel, that your Holy Spirit would draw them. Now, these are scriptures that we're invoking. It's the very will of God. Not my will, but yours be done on earth, here, even as it is in heaven or in the heart of God. And so here Jesus gives us a, a template, a way to pray. In verse 11, it says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. We've already talked about our dependence on God. And it's true that God does already know what you need before you need it. God likes to hear your voice. I think every father, every parent, loves it when their kids come to them and say, Dad, would you give me this? Dad, I need this. Would, would it be possible you would willing to give me this? I mean, every day. It's hard, it's hard to say no sometimes, right? And we want, to, we want to bend over backwards to give to our kids, but, but if our kids just demanded it, it'd be different. Imagine if your kid just said, well, Dad, you knew I needed it. Why didn't you just do it? You know, I mean, a little cocky. <laughs> Father likes to hear our voice. And he also knows that we need to be reminded our dependence on Him. Throughout the Old Testament, as you read the Old Testament, it's like a roller coaster. The, the, the nation of Israel would, would serve God and do great, and then in good times they would, they would neglect God. You could almost see it, a dip, and then all of a sudden they're, just, they're in sin again, and they're, they're being selfish again, and then, oh, crying out to God, and then the roller coaster's back on top, and, oh, God, we need you, oh, and then they slide back down. It, it's so much a picture of the way we pray. We pray when we're, oh, help me God, and then we get on top, we quit praying, and, and, and God's inviting us into a constant relationship. And here Jesus tells us, ask Him for what you need. Ask God. I've opened the door. I've died on the cross. I opened the door for you to approach God and to communicate to Him and let Him know what you need. God, would you give us this day our daily bread? Verse 12 says, And forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Here Jesus throws in this little caveat here, this little, little, little scripture, little sentence here to remind us that we were bought with a price. That He gave His all, He gave His life, He gave His blood to set us free from the debt that we owed. The Bible says that we're born sinners with a debt to God. 
that in his wrath requires death. But Jesus died on a cross to pay that debt of death for you and I. And in the courtroom of life, we stand before that judge and the judge strikes the gavel on the lectern and he says, guilty, you're guilty, condemned to eternal separation from God. And then Jesus stands up and says, yes, you're right, Father, but I'll take that penalty. I'll serve the time for them. And the judge says, okay, you're free to go. And we bolt out of the courtroom, right? But the further we get from the doors of that courtroom, the more we forget how valuable that forgiveness was. And just like examples given to us in the Bible, we, 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 we hold it against other people. We, they do one little thing to us, or maybe a bad thing. It really, there are many bad things that happen. But instead of forgiving them like Christ forgave us, we hold the grudge, we hold it over them, and we won't let them off the hook. We won't forgive them. And Jesus reminds us, hey, often in your prayers, you should make sure you're clean with God and clean with people. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Pastor Van told me this years ago. He said, Mike, we've got to be willing to give at least the same amount of grace to others as God has given to us. That's forgiveness. Verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We ask God to help us endure the tough circumstances of this life. We're in a spiritual war. When you give your life to Christ, when you, when you get saved and you start walking with Jesus, you've got a new enemy. The devil hates Jesus, and because you're his, he hates you. And he's going to do everything he can to trip you up, to cause you to bail, to cause you to give up, to throw in the towel, to cause you to run, to cause you to hide. He's working overtime, and we are in a spiritual war. And for us to commune with God and say, God, I need you. I need you. Help me to overcome this circumstance. Help me to overcome my boss is being hard on me or, or, or a co-worker is gossiping about me or a classmate is slandering my name or mocking me because I'm a Christian or, or, <clears throat> or my finances. God, I've done everything right. I've lived by a budget, but, but it's just like I just can't do it. God, God, would you help me? Would you help me? Would you help me? God, would you help me overcome in this life, in this circumstance? And God does. He does help us. He does help us. And he'll do that in a lot of ways. God wants to help you. You know why God hasn't helped many of you? Because you've never asked. You've never asked. I think this week would be a good week to begin to rely on God. Begin asking, God, would you help me? God, would you help me? And he may say yes. He may say no. He may say not now. But we need to ask. We need to pray. Let's talk to God. Let's talk to God. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet? There's a lot of needs in this room right now. Let's talk to God. Come on, Father.
Father in heaven, you're amazing. You're awesome. It's hard to imagine that you invite us to be close. It's hard for us to, because we're not that way. We're really not. It's hard to imagine that you've invited us to be close to you, but we do. We draw near even now. Your Holy Spirit is here. Because of what Jesus did, we're able to come near. We come near. Right now, Father. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Your great love for us. Father, today we want to we lay some things before you. Right now, all over the room, so many, so many needs. Father, we begin to pray and ask you to help us in these areas. Come on, whatever that thing is in your life, that challenge, whatever that, that desire is, let's ask God. God, not my will, but yours be done. But certainly, God, I'm going to ask, is it possible? Come on, some of you need, you need something. You need something physical. Just ask right now. Ask God. God, would you be willing? Would you be willing to help me? Maybe it's a new car. Maybe it's a new place to live. Maybe it's a new job. Father, would you, would you meet those needs in our lives? And we're not asking for over the top. We're just asking God for you to help us. Not my will, but yours be done. Come on, some of you right now, you, you, you need healing in your body or a loved one close to you does. Father, in the Bible, you tell us, in the Word, you tell us that, that by the stripes of Jesus, we would be healed. And we, as your children today, in faith, come to you and we, we quote this scripture to you, not demanding, but invoking, God, the healing power of heaven to move in our lives. God, that you would heal us in our physical bodies. Heal us in our, in our emotions where they're, they're, they're just a mess. Heal us in our minds where we're having a really tough time. God, would you move on us by the power of the Holy Spirit and heal us? Would you move on that friend, that relative, that loved one, and would you heal them? Come on, pray for that person by name. Call out their name and ask God, would you? God, we believe by faith that you can. We believe by faith that you desire to. And we just pray, God, we don't know everything, but we pray that you would move. On our behalf, on behalf of your children. Come on, some of you right now, you have a loved one that needs to be saved, needs to be born again. Father, we do know that your word says that you, you, you sent Jesus that none would perish. It is your desire that none would be separated from you, that all would be saved. You sent Jesus that all would be saved. And we believe that, God. We, we see it. We believe it. And so we're praying today for that loved one, for that friend, for that coworker, that classmate, that person who's far from you, God, that, that, that your spirit would move in their lives and that your spirit would draw them to you, reveal to them your great love, reveal to them their great need for you. We call out their name. We pray for them today. And God, if, if possible, we, we can invite them to church to hear the gospel preached. God, we ask you to open that door too. And we're going to look for that opportunity. But God, even if we can't, God, that you would surround them with the right people that are going to lead them in the right direction. God, we pray for them. We want to see them in heaven. We want them to be born again.
We pray for them by name today, in Jesus' name.